It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. Joining me, as always, in the KFG studio, certified financial planners, my business partners and friends, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. So what role do you want to play in helping your kids or grandkids with their education? That is my question to you today. And so whether big or small, if one of your financial goals is helping your kids or grandkids go to college, we're going to help you with that today. This goal has been referred to by my good friend Nick Murray as one of the great goals in life, mm. uh, helping your, your children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews, fill in the blank, attain skills that they can someday then go trade for money. Yeah. So yeah. to get an education. Legacy type stuff. Thanks for casting that bigger vision for the show, Kevin. If you have a question, uh, college planning, it's tricky. We're going to talk about it today, and, and it creates a lot of questions. And I don't know where that's going to hit you, but reach out to us if you have questions, if you have needs. You can do so in a few ways. Find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. You can call or text 574-222-2000. Social media as well, Facebook, Twitter, and the YouTube channel. Just search Wise Money Radio. You can find us there, leave questions. We've had a few of those recently we're going to hit later in the show. So find us online, reach out to us, be a part of the show. Big game coming up next weekend. I can. Are you getting nervous? Josh, little, is, little bit. Josh is nervous for a different reason, I think. <laughs> uh, his fandom's in question, actually. No. no. No, this is fun. And it's a fun time of year uh, for all, you know, because at the beginning of the fall, the weather is still nice and you've got football. And so it's like, yes, this is great. Uh, but some of you are probably thinking it's not so great because kids being back in school means you've got to start, you've got to be paying for it. And that can be a pretty painful process. So, uh, if you've got kids in college, you're wondering how to pay for it, we're actually going to help you today. If you've got kids right now going to school, we're going to help you make the most of your finances uh, and some decisions you need to be making and things you need to be doing right now. But also, if you've got kids or grandkids that you want to help with college and, and they're not yet ready, so you're trying to plan for it, we're going to help you with that with that today too. Uh, absolutely. Do you guys remember maybe a year ago, uh, my wife Andrea was telling me, all the reasons why she listens to every single episode of Wise Money. Now, now she watches them actually on nice. YouTube. And she was saying, you know, I've, I've learned so much. In fact, I, I wouldn't have known that there are seven areas of financial planning if it weren't for your show. That I do remember. And, and I laughed because I, I said, Andrea, there's only six actually. <laughs> yeah. But I was curious and I, I said, well, can you rattle them off? I wanted to know what this mysterious seventh item was. And she went through them in order. Nice. It was almost scripted. She said, oh yeah, there's present financial position and you've got your uh, risk management. That's, ta or, that's insurance. You got taxes, investments. She went through them all, retirement planning and then estate planning. And then she added college planning. That's that was her seventh. And I thought about it and I thought, well, technically you're right because 
when we when we normally talk about the fifth area of financial planning on this show, we're we're all about reminding you that a comprehensive financial plan looks at all areas of your financial life. And the fifth one we always kind of quickly rattle off as retirement planning. How are you going to fund this huge goal? Well, technically, college goes with that one. Yeah. It's not as universal for for everyone. We're all going to pass away someday. We're all going to have our last paycheck someday. But not everybody sends kids off to college. Some people are already past that phase. But college planning is an important area of your financial planning life. And just like retirement planning, you can't make decisions in this area without impacting other parts of your financial life as well. Yeah, totally. And so that's why we never think of it as just a standalone decision. It's not one goal that is is dealt with in isolation. We look at it in the context of an entire financial plan. And hopefully you'll be reminded of that in today's show. Yeah. You know, sending your kids off to school takes requires cash flow, present financial position. You've got to insure the stuff. You've got to insure their possessions, uh, vehicle, whatever. So protection planning for sure. Tax planning, we're going to talk about some of the tax uh, advantages. If you're saving up for it, that's investing. Planning for the long game, you know, starting early and planning, that's sort of that fifth area. And then estate planning is one that we've talked about more and more on the show, and that is your child is actually an adult, but they're really not. You're still taking care of them. So legally, you've got to have them have the right documents so that you can help. Did you skip retirement planning? I said retirement planning is like college planning. You've got to plan for this. Yeah. Well, they're also in in a competition yeah, for dollars I, I as well, I would right? say re- retirement planning is is huge when you think about your education plan mm. because what does the education plan and what you're going to do for your child, how does that impact your retirement does plan? Does it crowd out your retirement plan? Right. right, right. Does that take you from retiring at 62 and make you so you retire at 72? Yeah. That's easy to have happen, too, because college comes earlier on the timeline of life, yeah, right? Yeah. It's it's uh, staring you in the eyes a lot sooner than what retirement is. And a lot of people maybe tell themselves that, well, we'll get through the college years and then we'll play catch up on retirement. And uh, it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, you get a you almost get a free pass, if you will. So you can have underprepared for college and allocate resources that really should be going to a different part of your financial plan to get the education done, you don't get a, most people don't get a second pass at retirement. Yeah. So you, you are as prepared for retirement as you are when you retire. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. And we, we've seen it. We've seen it. We're talking about college today, getting you ready. Let's start with if you've got young kids like I do. My kids are eight, six, and then intentionally started all over. Easton is six months old. Uh, If you're in a similar boat, Let's talk about how you tackle college planning, starting with what the process looks like when you've got new, you know, younger kids, newborns, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, anytime I see or hear a married couple say that funding college for their kids is one of their goals, I tighten my seatbelt and lean in because this is going to be an interesting conversation. It's, in my opinion, my observation has been that it's one of the most emotional topics. Anytime you have a goal that's related to your kids, you can't help but to get emotional about it. And college funding is is a big one. It's also uh, an interesting one because each spouse maybe had a different experience. Even if they met in college at the same college, their experience was most likely very different. One may have had parents who were heavily involved Others were on their own. Uh, You know, maybe one worked their way through college, the other one borrowed their way through college. Um, 
you know, some maybe look back on it as the the most fond, uh, great years of their life. Others, it was stressful and hard. And so they have different opinions about what it should look like for their kids. And that's why the first step in planning for college is, first of all, articulating what your values, your beliefs, your attitudes are on this particular goal. Where does it fit in your list of priorities? And so one of the most important questions that I ask people is, what do you see your role being in uh, helping fund this this college goal for your kids? You yeah. have to get clarity on that first before you get into any of the nuts and bolts, dollars and cents uh, related to the topic. Part of that, though, is then defining what the student or the child's role is going to be. Yep. And, and if you're talking about a newborn, which, Kevin, you've given unbelievable advice in this area before. I've heard you share that you're never more motivated to help send a child to school as you are when they're first born. Absolutely. Right? So you got to capture Absolutely. that. Capture that emotion and yep. use it, leverage it for good. But at that time, you know, you're not going to sit down and talk to your infant about what role are you going to play in paying for your college. But you, as parents, need to decide. If you're going to decide what your role is, you've got to then decide what the child's role is. And then when they get to a certain age, you've got to communicate that with them. They need to know. Mm-hmm. They, they need to know. And, and that really is huge. Um, I've sometimes taken for granted that when some people bring up college as a goal, it doesn't always mean that they want to play a heavy financial um, you know, role in, in the process. Some, it's more just emotional and helping them get through the application process, doing the college visits, that sort of thing. And they're not playing a huge financial role or big contribution there. Sometimes you have to decide, are you going to put cash towards this or are you going to borrow? Are you... Um, going to be an actual debtor borrowing the money yourself right. or a, just a co-signer. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there's another category that maybe we can get into in the next uh, next segment. Um, are, are you? How are you going to define what your financial contribution will be? And I'll, I'll break that down here in just a moment. And then once you define that, what types of accounts do you use to save up? Are some good? Are some bad? We're going to contrast those so that you know, because there's a lot of, of options and it's confusing. And we're going to compare and contrast those here. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. When you're trying to save up for college, is there one type of account that you just got to use? It's just better than all the rest. We're actually going to talk about that because you have several options. It's confusing. We're going to talk about which accounts you should use, what are the pros and cons. We've got all that and more coming up here. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard here in the KFG studios with Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. We're talking about college. This is your college prep guide. If you have questions about your situation or anything that we're talking about on the show or anything else going on in your life, reach out to us. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Wise Money Radio is how you find us online. And YouTube has every episode right there. And Facebook, you can connect with us that way. And Twitter, just search Wise Money Radio. All right, we're talking about how do you plan for college if you've got younger kids or younger grandkids. What's this? What's the process? What do you go through? And really, 
this is a hard goal. And and as part of the discussion today, we want to encourage you that wherever you're at, you you can do it. Right. And a lot of times when people are confused, they do nothing. And we today on the show are going to be able to give you some information. And you say it's not the information money show. It's the wise money show. So how do I get from the information that we, that you're getting today to wisdom? It's the application of that information in your particular situation. Yeah. And the tricky thing about an education plan is there are so many variables and so few knowns and so many unknowns that it would be easier to do nothing. And as I said, typically when we're confused, we don't do anything. We just stay right where we are. So I would encourage you to contact a financial planner, make sure they're certified, and ask them if they do uh, college planning, and sit down and get college planning done. We've seen over, I've been doing this for 25 years, I've seen college planning done amazingly well, and I've seen it done wrong. I've seen yeah. people in Indiana that are still contributing to a different state's 529 plan and leaving money on the table. So you really want to, even though it might seem a little nebulous or, you know, I've got lots of time to work on this or I don't even know what I don't know, one of the the biggest, most important things is to kind of get, get – uh, connected with your core values, what's really important to me, and then how does that translate and transfer to a financial perspective? That's exactly right, Josh. I mean, as we, as you finish laying out some of the steps, some of the process that you'd go through, I mean, that really, that really sums it up. Yeah, you know, I often hear people say uh, of the college goal, well, we want to help our kids as much as possible and as much as we can. And, and I'm often quick to push back on that comment because uh, you know, I, I recognize that they're stating that this is something that we value, something that we prioritize. But, you know, if if taken to an extreme, it could mean, well, we're willing to do whatever it takes to get our kids through college. Does that mean with no debt on their own and we've bankrupted our own retirement and we've mortgaged our life to the hilt? Um, is, is, does that what, is that what you mean by we'll do whatever it takes? And of course, the answer is no, I'm being extreme. But that's why I, I really try to press people to get really clear and really specific about what their role will be in the process. And most people define their role, if they're going to get involved financially, as either defining what the benefit will be in the college years or defining what their contribution is going to be along the way. That's right. Yes. And, and so if we we're going to break those down, what, what I mean by that? Um, for some, they might say, well, we're willing to pay for the first four years of college. So they're defining what the, the benefit will be down the road. Again, I push them to get more specific. Is, is that any college? You know, is that a hundred grand a year? Uh, I don't know if there's a college out there that's that expensive, but, or, or is it a local community college? What, what do you mean by we'll pay for the first four years? Or maybe some will say, uh, we'll pay for the 50% 50, 50 of a certain college. Yeah. And this is kind of the, it's not a blank check, but it's uh, kind of a budgeted item that you can go find the school. Others will say, well, we'll pay for room and board or, or something like that. Still others will go more the contribution route and say, you know what? We've looked at the budget. We want to contribute. We want to save. We can afford to be setting aside $250 a month between now and college. And whatever that grows to 
it's yours to use as efficiently and as wisely as possible. We're going to do what it takes to help you stretch those dollars and find the right school and, and so on. But our role is we're going to contribute and you've got to do with it what you will. Your financial advisor isn't going to care. I mean, we, 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 we want to listen to which of those paths sounds more appealing, really what the big vision is, what your values are, what you want to instill in your children and helping with education. And then, and then really, let's pick the path that you think is right. And then it's figuring out, all right, what account do we use? You know, whether you want to pay for uh, just tuition for four years at a state school, or if you want to save 250 a month or 500 a month or whatever, we'll, of course, talk to you about pros and cons with taxes and so on, so you're aware of all that. But once we decide together, then it's, well, what account do you use? And there's several to, ch- to choose from. We talk about the 529 plan a lot on this show. Kevin, you want to talk about some of the pros and cons? How does the 529 plan work? The 529 plan is a it's a just another section of the tax code, if you will, where you're taking after-tax dollars, you're putting them in the plan, and in the plan, you can have all types of investments. So you can have a very safe, stable, and predictable investment all the way to growth, high-growth mutual funds. So you take after-tax money. It grows. It grows tax-deferred. So you're not paying taxes on the capital gains and the dividends that are kicked off every year. Um, it stays in the plan. When it's time for the, your child to go to college, you if you pull that money out for higher education expenses, it comes out totally tax-free. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the real benefit. Now, there are a couple other changes that just happened. Um, if you've got now K through 12 children, you can pull $10,000 a year out of your 529 plan to pay for that tuition. Right. So that's, a, that's an interesting little twist. And in various states have various benefits for using their plan. So if you pay taxes in Indiana and you're putting money into the Indiana plan, you're, you get a credit that reduces your Indiana taxes due. And that tax, that tax credit is a 20% credit up to $1,000. So mm-hmm. basically, if I put $5,000 into a 529 plan and I pay more than $1,000 of taxes in the state of Indiana, my tax bill gets uh, reduced or wiped out. So that's a, that's a huge, huge, yeah. huge benefit. And the question a lot of times people have about the 529 plan is what if, what if my kid doesn't go to college and what do I do with this money? Well, that is a great question. If this money is money that you're not going to need in your lifetime for any particular purpose, this is a, these are great legacy assets. It's without going into it in any real great detail, this money is not included in your estate, but you have control over it. So it's it's very unique from that aspect. Um, but you can also use it to educate uh, other family members. You can use it to educate grandchildren. It's a great asset to um, transfer to uh, your children when you pass away. Mm-hmm. If you do choose to take the money out of the plan, though, to you say, hey, I've got $50,000 in there. We never use it for the kids. We're going to go on the Alaskan cruise, and we're going to pull all of it out. On the growth that you've had, you would pay taxes on that because anything that grows, you're going to pay taxes on it eventually. You'd also have a 10% penalty on that growth. 
And so um, say on that $50,000, if 25 of that was growth, you'd pay you know, $10,000 of taxes. On that $50,000, if 25 you'd put in $5,000 a year for five years, you've gotten a $5,000 credit. So you're, the, the state of Indiana would ask for that credit back as well. So maybe out of a $50,000 plan, if I cash it out, I net out 35. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are exceptions if your son or daughter gets a scholarship, if they get disabled. There are other exceptions to, well, they, uh, we're not, we've saved up money into this 529. They're not going to use it, and there are ways to avoid the penalty, and those are all unique. But what a, how do you compare the 529 plan to something like an UTMA? You might have heard that before. Or an educational IRA or Coverdell. Uh, we, y- y- you need to understand the difference, the pros and cons to those. Or even a Roth IRA, should you use that type of account. Um, so we're gonna, we've still got a lot more to hit here on what your options are for saving up for college. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thank you for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. I'm Mike here with Kevin and Josh, as usual, coming to you from the world headquarters of Corhorn Financial Group and the KFG Studios. Thanks for being with us. Also, thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her inspired team at REMAX 100 for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. We've been talking about college planning. This is your college prep course. And gosh, we're still just on the first half of it. The other side of the coin, what do you do if you've got a student going to college right now for the first time or next year or whatever? Um, We're going to be talking about that here in just a second. If you have questions, wisemoneyradio.com is how you find us online. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all over social media, Wise Money Radio, or you can call or text 574-222-2000. 574-222-2000. All right, rounding out the types of accounts. We love the 529 plan. The, yes, the, we the, do. The, the tax benefit on the way in, the tax deferred and tax-free growth, that's a game changer for a lot of people. You, you mm-hmm. really need to consider that. It's not your only option, though. There was this thing called the Coverdell that I remember studying way back when, 15 years ago, when I was you know, trying to make heads and tails of this financial industry. And it was, you heard about it a lot. The 529 wasn't as well known. But as the 529 became more and more well known, I thought, well, this Coverdell thing, this thing's done. It, you can only contribute two grand a year and doesn't have the uh, some of the tax benefits that the 529 has, but it's still around. And in doing research for today's show, I, I came across some research that m- maybe the Coverdell should be considered by some of you. Number one, the 529, as Kevin said, you only have a few investment options available to you. It's limited. And you you got a lot of risk choices and so on, but you're limited mm-hmm. in what's available. It's like your 401k. It's because each state sponsors their own and they partner up with a specific investment company and only have a, usually a limited number of mutual funds to choose from. That's right. For the 529. For the 529. But the Coverdell, you can pretty much custom fit, really, right. a lot of different investments. You're, you're less l- restricted. And, um, and that might be appealing to some of you. And then the other is with this new opening that you can use your 529 for um, K through 12, you're limited in just tuition right. with the 529, but the Coverdell, you have more options 
it's not just limited to tuition. So a couple things, and we're not giving recommendations, just a couple things to consider. Um, there's a few others, Utmas and, and so on. Josh, can you rattle through those or Kevin? The, well, the only thing I would say about the Coverdell is that there is an income limit. So there's a phase out. If you're married and you make north of 220, you can't contribute. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, just have that in mind. The, the other thing that makes me still wonder how often the Coverdell is going to be used as you said, if you tip the scales to Coverdell, that's when you're, we're not as much talking about college planning as we are private school K through 12, right? right. right? And those are more immediate expenses. If, if you started saving into a Coverdell the day your child was born because you just knew they were going to go to private school all through their, their schooling years, you have five years to accumulate the money and then you're into spending mode. That's not a lot of time to treat it as a true accumulation vehicle. Sure. And the Coverdell doesn't really do anything for you if you're just putting money in and immediately pulling it back out. But the 529 plan does give you some late stage planning opportunities, at least here in Indiana. And so if, if you're someone who's listening to a show about college planning and you say, well, I'm already there, I'm already in the college years, or I haven't saved a dime for college, I'm planning on doing it out of cash flow, the Indiana 529 plan can still give you that tax credit if you funnel at least your first $5,000 through it on the on its way to the school. Yeah, but uh, hey, that's late stage. Uh, think about the early stage because we have clients whose kids are not going to go to school beyond the eighth grade. And yeah. they all pay to send their children to a private school. So you should do early stage planning with the 529 plan. That's right. Because because if I've got three kids in school and my tuition bill is five grand for the year, I can put five grand in the 529 plan, pull it out to pay for the tuition, and I got a thousand bucks in my pocket left. Mm Yeah, it's a big deal. So so even even people who in, in... traditionally wouldn't have thought at all about using a college planning tool need to be thinking about college planning. I mean, yeah, so so I here like it. here it is. I mean, this your financial planner. Or not actually not college planning, but pre-college planning. Education there planning. Uh, there you go. So your, your financial planner should be bringing clarity and confidence to what you're trying to do in your financial life and college goal being one of them. That's what we're talking about. But but then your certified financial planner needs to bring creativity. Yeah. And um, and and that's that's what you're hearing a little bit on the radio waves. A few other accounts, just to hit real quick, um, to save up for, possibly for college or education, would be using a Roth IRA. Your contributions go in after tax. The growth grows tax free for retirement. You can pull your contributions, your basis back out and use it for college. You can even do that for some of the growth too, with some tax advantages. Um, but there was a thing called an UPMA or an UGMA. That's what my folks used to save up for me. Really not a lot of tax advantages there. So those are less and less um, appealing. Yeah, for, jargon-free for zone, we would call those uniform gifts to minors. Oh, that sounds worse than UPMA. <laughs> I, know, I know, but basically <laughs> that means you, you, it is a completed gift. The yes. money is no longer yours. It right. belongs to your child. The issue is your child, if they're not a, age 18, they can't sign a contract to open an account for themselves. Right. So you're signing for them as a custodian. But when they reach adult age, the money's theirs. It's theirs. They don't have to use it for college. They can use it 
you know, to hang out with their friends, to buy a car, whatever they want. And then some people like to have the flexibility for a college goal or this this is my this is my education account for my kids, but it's also might be their wedding fund and their first car fund and launch them into their life fund. You know, if you've got resources or that's just how you frame the goal, you probably wouldn't want to use an account that's just tied to college or education. So maybe the Roth IRA if you're gonna pull after tax out or it's just maybe just a non IRA with jargon would be non qualified type mm-hmm. of account. Which is just a taxable account. It's maybe an account that you and your spouse own jointly together, and you've just earmarked it for for education. But if it turns out that your child is that scholarship athlete and you were saving up money for their school unnecessarily, you can repurpose that money into anything that you want because you maintain control the whole way. Yep. All right. You've got a child in school. What do you need to be doing right now? Well, the first thing I, I would um, turn your attention to is you need to, along with the student, I'd make it a joint responsibility, if not mostly theirs, you need to be hunting down the maximum amount of financial aid. Even if you've saved up and you've planned ahead and you've got resources, you need to help your student or make sure that student gets as much financial aid as possible. Yeah, I'm talking about that thing I can't pronounce. It's a FAFSA, Free <laughs> Application for Federal Student Aid. See, I can say it. I just can't say the acronym. And then one that um, that some friends of mine turned me on to recently is the CSS profile as well. That's a similar type of financial aid application and process, mostly used though by college or by private schools. And so more and more I'm hearing people are using those together, but it's basically getting all of your financial data out there in certain platforms to then help yourself and universities, colleges come up with the right financial aid package for you. And and you need to recognize that this is where school selection is maybe your number one tool for getting better financial aid. Not every school is going to look at your son or daughter exactly the same way. It's kind of like going to a car dealer and you found the car that you want, but maybe uh, two separate dealers would give you a different price on your trade-in. And that changes the overall price tag for you. One person or one dealer is looking at it more favorably than another. And that can happen with your, your son or daughter. They may look at their talent on the lacrosse field. Is it a pitch? What, what's it called? I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe they play an instrument or maybe they've, they've gotten great uh, grades in certain subjects. Whatever it is, some schools may throw more dollars at your son or daughter than another would. And if you can hold out the decision on which school it's going to be um, and, and not commit too early or not fall in love with that one school, you may leave yourself open to some more dollars uh, by shopping around. Lots of people make that mistake. They just list one school on their FAFSA. They have, they have tunnel vision on one school. No, you need to list several, several, and, and look at your options. Um, what other options do you have for financial aid? What are the deadlines that you need to be aware of? What's the process like? We still have a lot to hit here with college planning coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 
Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. When it comes to college planning, do you know the deadlines for filling out the FAFSA? Do you know when the application opens? That sort of stuff. This is, like Kevin said earlier, this is confusing. And usually when things are confusing, we just back away. We don't do anything. But if college, if helping your kids with education is one of your goals, let's figure this out. That's what we've been talking about today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. If you've missed anything, every episode's on the YouTube channel. Just search and subscribe to it. Even like it if you like the content, share it, all that fun stuff. Search Wise Money Radio. It's also on podcasts. You can find us right there on iTunes and Google Play. Just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. That's Corhorn with a K, K O R H O R N. Lastly, if you have any questions, reach out to us. You can call or text us at 574 222 2000. That's 574 222 2000. All right, you've got a child in the hopper. They are going to school right now or they're going to school next year and you're thinking, well, I've been planning and now it's time to start executing. Make sure you're filling out the FAFSA. Consider the CSS profile. List several schools as options so that you're understanding the financial package offered from each school. What else are we missing, Josh? Uh, I would maybe point out those who have been accumulating money for the, the college years, but maybe don't have enough to get all the way through and, and it's become evident, oh, there's probably going to be some borrowing involved. We often encourage people not to just hurry up and spend through all the money and then borrow the last couple of years. You need to at least examine what your borrowing options are even in year one, that freshman year, because if you're eligible for subsidized federal loans. So this is a a student loan. Your child takes out the loan, but the government pays the interest while they're in school. Uh, You only get those a little bit each year. And so if you let some years go by and you're not borrowing money and it's being paid, uh, well, unfortunately with taxpayer dollars, but the government is, is handling that interest for you, then you may be leaving um, a valuable tool on the table. College could cost more is what you're saying. It, essentially because of the interest that, That's right. that could uh, accumulate on you. So you really need to look at your spend down phase of college of the college years in its entirety, not just one year at a time. Mm-hmm. But many people do, you, you know, they they save, they save, they save, and then they get to the college years and they don't know how to pull the money out. And this is where a certified financial planner can really help guide you, help you understand which accounts um, should you drain first, which ones should you leave intact as long as possible, how do you adjust your risk level uh, with those investments as you approach those years. All of these are bigger considerations. There, there's sometimes details that get lost in the shuffle when you're just trying to figure out what's my next deadline and what's my next filing. It's a lot to consider. It can be overwhelming, so have a guide with you. Yep. And th- that's if you get to the college years. I, I want to take a step back, though, and just remind you of what we said early in the show, that if college planning is something that's a priori- priority to you, 
make sure that your approach is one that is taking your whole financial life into consideration. That's what a certified financial planner will do for you and do with you. Make sure that financial planner doesn't just know the technical knowledge on what all those deadlines are and the tax laws and your investment options. They need to be someone who has a planning process that will guide you into greater clarity on what your values are, what your priorities are, and how this goal lines up with all your other goals in life. Um, that's what a comprehensive financial plan does. And, and it's one of the reasons why I, I want to encourage you yet again to go find a certified financial planner. If you don't have one in mind, the invitation is always open to come uh, check out Corhorn Financial Group. Our certified financial planners can walk you through this process and uh, w- would love and be honored to, uh, to serve you. Yeah, well, well said, Josh. I, I would also remind you, if you're in the spending phase of college, don't forget about still contributing to that 529 plan if you're paying Indiana state tax. Consider that. The FEFSA application opens October 1. First come, first serve on a lot of those. So you're going to want to fill out the FEFSA starting October 1. Same with the CSS profile. It opens October 1. Uh, here's a little twist, I believe. The deadline for Michigan is March 1. It's been that way for a while. The Indiana deadline used to be March 10. looks like they, it's been moved to April 15, but don't even flirt with that. Don't even flirt with it. It's, it opens October 1. It's, it's first come, first serve. So those are do- those deadlines. And funding your 529 plan is still always calendar year to get that tax benefit. There's no, well, I'll fund it before my tax filing deadline and get the benefit. No, it's, it's, it's calendar year. So, all right. You can do it. Whatever this goal is, whatever your values are that you want to help your kids, your grandkids with, you can do it. Work with a certified financial planner and put all the pieces together. Oh, we've got a few great questions here. Let's let's dive in as we transition. So fan of the show, Jennifer, she's 57. She's from Roseland. She reached out and said, unfortunately, my husband and I are getting a divorce. I'm sorry to hear that, Jennifer. He's already retired from a public service job. Will I get half of his pension? That's a that's a great question. Pensions are unique. There uh, fewer and fewer people have access to them, but those of you who do, maybe you don't know. I'll remind you. It is an enormous benefit to your retirement. This is a big deal. So Jennifer, I would say you're not out of line in asking this. Um, the the challenge though is I don't know. We don't know. I, I, I would say that's very reasonable and likely. Um, Indiana is the type of state where technically you both earned that money together. Yes, he was the one working, and so it was going into his name. But as you guys were married, it doesn't say how long you were married, but assuming you guys were married during that time, technically Indiana views that as you guys both earned that money. So I think I think that's reasonable um, to assume that you would get half of his pension. However, I know some public service companies say, no, we're not going to split this. We won't. So you'll need to offset it in some other ways. You'll want to work with an attorney yeah, and to get it's, that sorted out. There's not specific laws that say it has to go this way. It has to be in a divorce decree. Exactly. So it's it's part of what you know gets worked out through this very difficult process, and, and hopefully it goes smoothly for you. Obviously, our heart goes out to you. Um, what a hard, hard road to walk here. But uh, this is where you you absolutely need to be relying upon the attorney who is guiding you and the other financial professionals in your life. Yeah, and be prepared for this to be a little bit of a mess. I I have this situation with some clients that I serve, 
and in the divorce decree it was she gets some amount of his pension so he finally retired and he wondered if that really was ever going to happen and she got her attorneys involved well sure enough and I don't know what the number is but say it's $6,000 so she gets $6,000 from him but every year we have to create a 1099 from him to her so that she pays the taxes on that money not him and so it's a it actually is a a little bit of a hairball to deal with that because if it's if the pension's already going or the entity says look I'm not splitting the pension right. I'm we're sending the pension amount to one mailbox oh, wow. you split it uh, when you when it gets there, it's it is it's a it's a pain. It's and, a mess. And some pensions will say no. We're not we're not splitting this thing. Hey, let's uh, let's sneak in this next one. So Jerry's from Mishawaki, sixty. He says, "I'm looking to retire in about five years and wondering about buying another rental property. We already turned one home of ours into a rental about ten years ago. Bought a new place and and now only have a couple years left on that mortgage to help with retirement income." We're thinking about doing another rental. Is that a good idea? What do you guys What do you guys think? Real quick. I think it's a great idea, Jerry. Give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the voice of experience right there. <laughs> a, a reluctant landlord is what I just heard. Right. But you know what? We we joke, but that is maybe the bigger question. Jerry framed this as an income question or a math problem. Do I want more income in retirement from these rental properties? But as Kevin is uh, kind of alluding to uh, in his comment, there's a lifestyle cost that comes with being a landlord in retirement. Is that how you want to live? Because the reality is a second rental property means you've just doubled the number of appliances that can go bad and the number of roofs that may start leaking. And the phone calls that you could get at 2 a.m. That's right. right. So as just a standalone comment, yeah, we love more steady income in retirement, but pay attention to the risk side of that as well as the lifestyle cost to you. There is a risk and, and return parity. I mean, there is ri- I mean, there's a good return. There's a good return you can get on rental real estate. But as we're talking about, there's risk and some of that risk is not just financial. Fabulous investment if you can handle it. That's right. Thanks for the question, Jennifer, Jerry. Thanks for listening. I hope today was helpful. If you uh, if you missed anything, find us on YouTube at uh, Just Search Wise Money Radio. That is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.